اعوذ بالله من الشیطان الرجیم بسم الله الرحمن الرحیم الحمد لله رب العالمین وصلی الله علی سیدنا محمد و آله الطاهرین verse number 53 of surah araf a'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim hal yanduruna illa ta'wilah yawma ya'ti ta'wiluhu yaqulu alladhina nasuuhu min qabl qad ja'at rusulu rabbina bil haqq fahal lana min shufa'a fayashfa'u lana أو نرد فنعمل غير الذي كنا نعمل قد خسروا أنفسهم وضل عنهم ما كانوا يفترون Do they await anything but its fulfillment? The day when, it fulfillment, when it fulfillment, its fulfillment comes, those who had forgotten it before will say our Lord's apostles had certainly brought the truth. If only we had some intercessors to intercede for us, or we would be returned, so that we may do differently from what we did. They have certainly ruined their souls, and what they used to fabricate has forsaken them. This is a sort of uh, conclusion from the discussion which went before about the Day of Judgment, what will happen eventually to people, when they go back to their lords. And of course, this is all uh, denied by the kuffar, by those who do not believe in the Quran. So here, in conclusion, the verse number 53 says, Are they waiting for something but for it to come true, but for its fulfillment? Now, are they waiting for something but for it to come through? means that they are forcibly, whether they want or they do not want, they are moving towards it. They are not waiting for anything but for it to come through. This is what eventually will happen. And they are not going to any other direction but to this direction which is set for them. And it will come true. It will be fulfilled. Now, ta'wil, as we have discussed uh, uh, before, is used in the Quran uh, for different purposes. Altogether, the word ta'wil has been used in the Quran 17 times in three different categories. One is ta'wil al-ru'ya. That is the fulfillment of a dream. Or when we talk about a dream coming true, we talk about its ta'wil. And this is only used in Surah Yusuf. Several times in Surah Yusuf, ta'wil of dreams have been used. Ya ayyuhal in kuntum Give me the ta'wil of my dream, as the, the king of Egypt asked those who... Uh, who were knowledgeable in in explanation of dreams. The other meaning which is used in the term ta'wil, which is, is used in, is ta'wil al-amal, when something is done, but we don't know the meaning of it, the meaning, the purpose of that amal. And this is used mainly in Surah Kahf, in relation to the story of Khidr and Musa salam, when Khidr did certain things, but Musa didn't know the meaning of those things. He knew that he performed something, but he didn't know the meaning of those things. And the ta'wil of that uh, was explained for him by Khidr later on. When he explained what was the meaning of breaking the ship, what was the meaning of killing that boy, what was the meaning of rectifying the wall. He said, This is the meaning of what I did. It is possible that sometimes we do something and we do not know the meaning of it. And later on the meaning becomes clear for us. And this specifically is true in many of worships that we do, in many 
practices that we are commanded to do by the prophets, peace be on them, and we take it for one meaning while it has another meaning. And it will come through, the meaning will, will transpire for us later on. For example, we perform salat. We imagine certain purposes for this, or we probably give it certain meanings. This is why we are performing salat, or this is why we are performing fast, for example. However, the true meaning of it, of it may be hidden from us. And then when we go to other uh, depths of the creation or other layers of this world, we find the meaning according to those different realms. The meaning transpires to us. Now, this is, of course, a deep uh, concept. Every action that we do, as soon as we perform them, it will find a meaning in this world, it will find a meaning in the world, in the intermediate world, that's the world of Barzakh, and it will find a meaning in the upper world, that's the, the, the world of Qiyamah, so to speak. And these meanings would transpire for us gradually. So the meaning of Salat, the meaning of recitation of the Quran, they will become clear for us gradually. So, in the same way that, for example, Musa didn't know the meaning of breaking the ship, we may not know the meaning of fasting. We think that, okay, Allah wants us to be hungry or Allah wants us to feel what other people may suffer if they don't have food. But there is more, more depth to this uh, every time we perform it, which will become clear later on. So this is the meaning of ta'wilul amal. And then there is... Uh, Ta'wilul kalam, that is when someone utters something and there is a meaning for it, intended meaning. And that meaning should come through in certain time, especially if I am talking about something which takes place in future. And uh, I mean something which you may understand it, you may not understand it, and that something will come through in a certain time. Here, when it says, Hal illa it talks about all these discussions which went before. And therefore, we are talking about ta'wilul kalam. We are not talking about ta'wilul amal. Certainly, we are not talking about ta'wilul ru'ya, the, uh, the, the interpretation of dream. We are talking about the interpretation of these discussions which went before. Are they waiting but for these things to come through, the interpretations to be clarified, explained for them? And this is Ta'wilul Kalam. And Ta'wilul Kalam means that, first of all, they understand what is the true meaning of these things. And secondly, they will see that these things will take place in its suitable time, in the time which is appointed for it. And they are not waiting for anything but this. However, يَوْمَ يَأْتِي تَأْوِيلُهُ When these things, when whatever we have explained here, are established, come to existence, they find their true location and meaning, يَوْمَ يَأْتِي تَأْوِيلُهُ then of course they will not be happy. Now they want to know what do you mean, is it right, is it wrong? They argue with you, but when it comes through, then they will not be happy. The day when its fulfillment comes, Now, those who have forgotten it before, we talked about Nisyan in the previous verse. Today we forget them or we forsake them as they forgot or forsook the preparation for this meeting. So they are, they were forsaken or they, they were forgotten. Here it says again, they had forsaken it before. Those who had Nesyan is forgetfulness, forgotten it, that means they had not prepared for it. 
They had forsaken acting for it. يقول الذين نسوه من قبل قد جاءت رسل ربنا بالحق. Now what they say uh, is uh, a confession that we were wrong and the prophets were right. And this confession, of course, is not something which they they they, they just utter it by their tongue. They feel it by their whole existence that this has come true. What the prophets said, what they brought was haq. And haq is something which, is, uh, which conforms with the reality. And therefore, what our prophets said about the day of judgment, and we denied or we were in doubt, we now find it to be absolutely according to the reality. قَدْ جَاءَتْ يَوْمَ يَأْتِي تَعْوِيلُهُ The day when its fulfillment comes, those who had forsaken it before, those who had just left it as, as a belief or as an idea or something which they shouldn't have cared about, now they are feeling it with the depth of their understanding that this is reality. قَدْ جَاءَتْ رُسُلُ رَبِّنَا بِالْحَقِّ Now, what can they do when this happens? Just imagine someone has denied all these things, has forsaken acting for it, has not prepared for it. Now they go to that arena when it comes through, when the, it is fulfilled, and they see that whatever was told was the truth. What can they do? This is the reaction. This is the reaction. Three Three different things are mentioned here. First of all, they, with their hearts and with their mind, they say that, wow, whatever was, was said was true. It is reality. This is what we see now. This is the first reaction. The second reaction is that, the second and third reaction are two different type of wishes. The first wish is more realistic than the second wish. However, because they have no other choice, nothing else that they can do, they make these wishes, and of course these wishes are not going to be granted because it's impossible. Allah does not do impossible things because this is against his own creation. Impossible things are against the creation. So he never negates his own creation. Because it's impossible, of course, it will not be granted. However, they make these wishes. What are these two wishes? First wish is, If only we had intercessors to intercede for us. Why they say this? Why they say this? What is this concept of shufa'a that they are talking about? Are they thinking in the same way that they were thinking in this world that, okay, if they needed something, they would have had someone to, to mediate, to intercede for them, and they were granted the things because of their intercession? No, this is not the case, because now they see the reality. The reason they say this is because they see there are lots of shofa'a there. And not one shafi, there are shofa'a, there are intercessors who intercede intercede hugely for many, many people, and they are actually saved because of their intercession. However, for these people, there is no one to intercede. And they know why there is no one to intercede for them, because they are not qualified for it, because they see the impossibility of them being included in that intercession. So they just make a, sh a wish, فَهَلَّنَا could there be shofa'a fayashfa'ulana? Now this is, this is closer to reality, as I said, because they are seeing that shofa'a are making shofa'a. However, shofa'a is done for those who have faith. Who have faith, but they, are, they were sinful. For those who have no faith, shofa'a cannot include them because there should be a sort of reception of shofa'a. The important thing about shafa is that as soon as a person has the 
capability to receive it, they will receive it, the shafa'a. However, the, 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 the minimum qualification for that is that you have some faith, some connection with God. And that some small connection with God, the shafa'a will find its way through that simple connection and will take them. However, for them who had severed all connections for God, shafa'a cannot include them. So they just make a wish. Allah uses this verse to say that on the day of judgment we do not have one shafi. It's not only the prophet or only the a'imma. Or even not only the prophets and their osiyah. There are many, many different types of shafa'a which go on on that day. And this is actually the expansion of the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He wants to include everyone in, his, in the fold of his rahmah. He will make anyone he wishes into his mercy. And this shafa'a is actually a help coming from human race to human race. A help coming from our brethren to us. A help coming from other human beings to other human beings. He has allowed this. That if a soul could be saved by another soul on that day, Allah would allow it. However, as I said, the minimum requirement for that is that there should be some faith, some connection. And that small connection would find its... Uh, uh, the shafa'a would find its way through that small link and would save others. However, for these people, there is no shafa'a. Now, the second thing that they wish, which is more far-fetched, of course, the, the first thing they are seeing quite uh, real in, in their sight as it's happening, the second thing is that they see people are saved because of two things. One, because of their own acts, because of what they have done. And second, if they have shortcomings in their actions, they are being interceded for. They are being saved because of intercession. So they say, if Shafa is not possible for us, we wish that we would have gone back and have made some I have performed some actions so that we were qualified to enter into the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So there are two things, and, and this goes very well with the, uh, with the idea that on the day of judgment, some people need shafa'ah, and those who have, are the people who have shortcomings in their actions, and some peoples do shafa'ah for others, and these are those who have complete acts, and they actually help others to come closer to God. And this is why we hear in traditions that, uh, for example, a, a righteous member of a family may intercede for all his family, if they are, or, or her family, if they are qualified to receive the shafa'ah. A person may, may intercede for his or her friends. It's possible because they have the requirement and that is they have the actions which would make them uh, qualified to receive mercy from God and then to pass on this mercy to others. The mercy is received from God through actions, through what we do and through what we believe. This is how we attract mercy. The right belief goes up to him, and the right action would lift it. So anyone who has these two would receive mercy from God. Anyone who has shortcoming but have some sort of connection, not Connection in the sense of family connection or friendship connection. Connection, spiritual connection. Anyone who has a connection with these people who receive mercy from God can be qualified so that these people could pass on that mercy to them as well. So here they see that there are two elements for receiving the mercy of God. One is the action 
And second is receiving this mercy through others with shafa'a. So they say, فَهَلَّنَا مِنْ شُفَعَاءَ فَيَشْفَعُوا لَنَا Could there be intercessors who could intercede for us? أَوْ نُرَدُّ Or we would have been returned. فَنَعْمَلَ غَيْرَ الَّذِي كُنَّا نَعْمَلَ We do different, differently. We act differently. We may do differently from what we used to do. And then we become qualified for this mercy and this rahmah. Of course, now, what you see here, and in all these discussions or sort of wishes which are made by people who lose qualifications to receive mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, is that no one blames God for what is happening. No one says that what is happening is wrong or we do not deserve it. They all believe they deserve it. They all believe it's right. This is, this is the depth of truth. This is what things should be. However, we have lost ourselves. We have lost the qualification. So their wish is usually uh, directed towards themselves. That we wish we would have done something. We wish we would have been qualified for something. And this is a very important fact that... Uh, on the Day of Judgment, people realize that Allah would not wrong anyone or he would not do any wrong in his acts or any mistake in what he, do, in what he does. Uh, as we have uh, in other words, فَيَعْلَمُونَ أَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقُّ الْمُبِينَ They realize that Allah is the clear haq. Now, haq is truth, reality, right, Whatever things should be, this is, they realize that this is what God is. So, Now, Sheikh Tusi Rahmatullah Alai uses this verse uh, for a theological uh, debate. He says that uh, in this verse, especially in this sentence, is a refutation of the, uh, uh, the people who believe in predestination or in jabr, that people are forced to do what they do. He says that, when they say, we wished we would have been returned to the previous world so that we could do differently than what we did, he says that it means that they, they, were, they had power over what they did and they wished to go back and with their own free will do differently. And this is... Quite in place, actually. Means we are not forced to do what we are doing. And if we go back, we are not forced to do what we, we do. And uh, we wish that we would have been permitted to, to do this. Now, the question is, so what happens to these people? After all these, they are, wait, they are not waiting but for its fulfillment. And when the fulfillment comes, three things will happen. First of all, they realize they are ha whatever we said that the prophets said were haq. Secondly, they wish for shafa'a. And thirdly, they wish that they would have been returned to this world and they, they would have done differently. So what happens to them? They have ruined their soul. They, no, khasara is uh, destruction, ruining, and losing. They have lost their souls. That means they have lost the benefits that their souls could have given them. Now, in, in this expression which is used in the Quran very frequently means that the nafs that Allah has given us is a huge, huge capital 
a huge wealth that Allah has given us. Tremendous benefits can reach us through this nafs that Allah has given us. It's a conduit through which we receive mercy of Allah, by which we grow, by which we can go and sit next to Allah in the neighborhood of God, they will sit in a place where it is close, neighboring Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the high king of, of the universe. They will sit there. This is what they, our soul can benefit us. Whatever you have heard about the, the bounties that Allah will give mu'minun in paradise, whatever grace we receive, is all through the soul that Allah has given us. Now, what if we deprive ourselves of all these benefits of the soul? We have lost it. We have lost our capital. And this is the, the expression which is used very beautifully. قَدْ أَنفُسَهُمْ They have lost their souls. Or this is, this is the expression that uh, Shaykh Tusi uh, takes uh, the meaning that he takes from this uh, expression ma'ana khasiru anfusahum ay mun'u min al-intifa'ibaha they cannot use the benefits of their soul because the soul is here to to just receive we are only receivers of mercy of Allah we are nothing but receivers the soul is here to receive now they are prevented from this reception because of what they have done. قَدْ خَسِرُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ وَظَلَّ عَنْهُمْ مَا كَانُوا يَفْتَرُونَ What they used to fabricate has forsaken them. Now, what did they use to fabricate? مَا كَانُوا يَفْتَرُونَ What did they use to fabricate? Many different things. First of all, they fabricated that they had power. They had independence. That they can do things. That they understand things. Now all these have become just like uh, hallucinations. They, they see they have no power. They have no independence. They did not know anything. And now they see the reality. So whatever they were fabricating have forsaken them. They have lost all those things. Secondly, they have lost what they were calling beside Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They were calling, especially because the verses are referring to mushrikun, other gods that they were calling beside Allah. They lose them. On that day it is told to them, okay, call. Who did you worship? They say we worship, for example, such and such, such idol, such man, such angel. Okay, call them. فَدَعَوْهُمْ And they start to call. فَلَمْ يَسْتَجِيبُوا لَهُمْ But no response will come back. They realize that they were actually imagining all these things. They now have forsaken them. Now, previously, we had a verse in, in Surah Araf that فَمَنْ أَظْلَمُ مَنْ افْتَرَى عَلَى اللَّهِ كَذِبًا أَوْ كَذَّبَ بِآيَاتِهِ those who fabricate lies against God. They will receive whatever is written for them in this world. We have written for them such and such wealth, such and such position, such and such uh, length of life. They will receive it. We are not going to deprive them of those things. Until when our Messengers, the angels, go and take their souls. Okay, where are those things that you call beside Allah? They look for them. But they say, we have lost them. They are not here. We were thinking that we are calling someone beside Allah. So this is another meaning, another possibility. Whatever they used to fabricate, have forsaken them. And the interesting thing about this sort of imagination of soul or mind about anything beside Allah, and this is not only about Bushrakun, we also imagine many things 
our independence, our power, and these things, they will all forsake us, uh, will forsake us uh, on the day of judgment. And we see that all these were just imaginations. And we are left alone with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his power. Now, the next uh, couple of verses are very beautiful verses about uh, uh, creation and the relation of man with the creator. The next verse, uh, verse number 54, is, uh, is called Ayatul Sukhra. Ayatul Sukhra means the, the ayah about the control of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the command of God. وَالشَّمْسَ وَالْقَمَرَ وَالنُّجُومُ مُسَخَّرَاتٍ بِأَمْرِهِ The sun and the moon and stars are all under his control, disposed by his command. And this is what is called Ayatul Sukhra, the verse of control, Allah's control over everything. It's, a, it's one of the very uh, uh, important verses of the Qur'an, and we are actually advised to recite this every, every night before we sleep. And there are many other uh, uh, interesting things mentioned about these couple of verses. Inshallah, we'll start discussing this next week. Thank you much indeed, Sheikh. Uh, brothers and sisters, now we have about 15-20 uh, minutes uh, to continue the discussion. Any questions or anything that is bothering you? Okay. You know, you mentioned uh, in the end about the Anfusana and uh, you said soul. So Anfusana is, uh, is includes nafs and soul or is there is a difference between nafs and soul? You can explain this. You mean nafs and ruh? Nafs and ruh, yeah. yeah. Soul is usually used for nafs. There is a difference between nafs and ruh. They are sometimes used interchangeably. But if we, if we want to be quite accurate uh, in, in, in the usage of these terms, ruh is certainly different from nafs. Nafs is the human soul with all its capabilities, the capability to do wrong, capability to do right, to incline towards evil, to incline towards good, this is soul. Ruh is something which is blown into human soul. And that is our way to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's by ruh that we realize what God is, by ruh that we have faith, by ruh that we receive knowledge from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's why Allah says you don't know anything about ruh. You, you have not given much knowledge about ruh. And ruh, of course, is used for different, probably, uh, creatures. Like, for example, Jibrail is called ruhul amin. And uh, a creation which is Above the angels is also called ruh, and that's what we have in Surah Al-Qadr, in Tanazzalul Malaikatu, Warruh, the angels and the ruh would come down. And probably from the same sort of entity or creation, Allah has blown into human soul. وَنَفَخْتُ فِيهِمْ ruhi. I blew from my spirit or my ruh in that. So... In, in a nutshell, nafs is something which can be a place for ruh to come in. And the nafs can actually drive the ruh away from itself. It's a very complicated sort of creation that Allah has given us, as I said, as our main, our soul capital that we can use. Just uh, see, you know, all you explain that uh, the nafs will complain is that we have lost the khasara is by the nafs, not the ruh part of it. Because nafs could actually partake of that ruh. Nafs was 
an instrument by which human beings can use the ruh to go up towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. قَدْ خَسِرُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ means they lost the benefit of this, their souls. The benefit was that they could use that soul to actually identify it with the ruh and go up to Allah. They didn't do it. Now they have lost the benefits. This is what uh, Sheikh Tusi mentions, that they have lost the benefits of this soul. Uh, not the soul itself, because soul itself is, is identical with human being. Is that clear? Okay. Thank you. Any, any sisters? No? Brother in front there? Yeah, can you switch on the mic? Alaykum, Um You said that uh, those people who have severed their ties with Allah will not receive the shafa'ah available. Um, but for those people who haven't severed their ties, for example, those from the Ahlul Kisa, will they be included within the shafa'ah? Those who are um, Ahlul Kitab? Yeah, or, or anyone who hasn't severed their ties with Allah, will they be included in the shafa'ah? And if yes, um, does this verse suggest uh, religious pluralism? Uh, well, these are two different things. Yes, shafa'ah includes everyone who has some sort of link, connection with Allah, every, every person. Our shafa is a process which may take long or maybe quite at hand, immediate. For those with a stronger faith, they receive shafa sooner or more immediately. For some, they have to remain in hell for several thousand years before this shafa'ah could include them. So, as we have in, uh, in traditions, eventually majority of people would come out of hell. But, and coming out of hell means they will be included in shafa'ah. However, uh, how long it takes depends on the, uh, uh, on the quality of their faith and the strength of their faith. When you say religious pluralism, you see, because the sinners from Muslims will go to hell as well, as the sinners from other faiths will go to hell. A Christian who is quite committed to what he believes or she believes in may be better off than a Muslim who does not care about the faith or whatever, who does not who perform... Uh, the, the practice which is commanded to do, who does lots of sins. So we cannot judge on that day according to religions. Religion, plural, religious pluralism, of course, uh, uh, has, a, has a right explanation and a wrong explanation. The wrong explanation is that all religions are the same and will take us to God. This is the wrong explanation. The right explanation is that, well, of course, Allah will accept the faith of anyone who offers the faith sincerely. However, if the things that they believe in are wrong, are not correct, then they will be somehow shifted away from reality. I mean, the people who believe in Trinity will not be received in the same way that, from, uh, that the people who believe in unity of God will be received on that day. Although they may have been quite sincere, but they have been drifted away from that reality. It will be hard. And that is why da'wah is made compulsory on the people who believe in truth, that they have to call other people to the truth. So the... The wrong understanding of religious pluralism is that all religions are the same, and they will take us to the same place, to the same level. That's not right. That's wrong, of course. Otherwise, why should we talk about which religion is right, which one is ra uh, wrong, and what is the best faith, what is the best belief? Even in Muslim theology, we have different type of views and ideas. Very diverse. Some of Muslims are uh, even probably farther away from other Muslims than Christians or than the Jews because of their faith and their belief, the way they believe in God. So we have to take all these into consideration when we are talking about religious pluralism. 
Thank you. Shake any sisters before I come to the brothers? So that leads to a question in my mind that you said that bringing them the truth, taking the example of those who believe in the Trinity. So to an individual like me living in this society, is it obligatory or optional for me to actually, if I feel that my religion is right, to tell the others? And if it's obligatory, how should I be doing it? Obligatory in the sense that uh, it is a sort of humanitarian duty. I mean, we feel uh, some sort of compassion for those who we feel that they are sincere, but they are somehow deviated from, uh, uh, from the truth. It's just like, for example, if you see someone is uh, somehow... Uh, entering into a into a trap or, or or falling into into a hole or something like that, you you stop them doing it, no matter what their faith are. Uh, the point is, we do not see the uh, the the concreteness of the faith and belief, and we think that well, they are all equal. Okay, they believe in God, we believe in God. What's the difference? Why should we call them? However, most of the time, the way we call is repulsive. The way we call other people to our faith is so repulsive that they would take a defensive position. They also, and also we have to take in mind that they also think that we are on the wrong path and they want to call us as well. So after having all these considerations, we have to find the best technique and tactic to to properly approach other people. And I think... uh, the best way to do it is not individually going to people and telling them, look, this is the truth, come to truth, because, of course, they would think exactly the same thing about us. The best thing is that we increase our knowledge, we try to explain what we believe in, and then other people can choose for themselves. This is, I think, the best way. Thank you, anything. So it seems, seems that we may have to hold more debates. Uh, I mean, I don't know whether the interfaith is part of that process or, or a debate uh, could be a better step. Uh, well, about interfaith, it's very interesting because uh, uh, usually the interfaith sessions uh, uh, have two purposes. One purpose is just to get friends with each other. That's good. The other purpose of interfaith usually is not to find out the truth, is to convince the other party. And uh, that, if that is the purpose, that would lead to sort of mujadila and argument, which is not the purpose, of course. So I think all the benefit that we may get from these interfaith dialogues and sessions is just to, to get friends to each other. That, that's all. Yeah, that's what I thought, actually. Yeah. So should have been better if you were kind of an intellectual debate so that without offending each other, yeah. then uh, That's perhaps true. we can yeah. put the points across. Uh, I disagree with Mohamed Raza. Um, I, I think that that is also um, provocative. Uh, debate, the word debate itself means challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, and, and I agree with you, the interfaith, particularly since it's an, it's an institutionalized um, forum, if you like. It is uh, quite often it would be people from the church and people from the Muslim centers or whatever who are either scholars or at that level who would interact. I think the best way is really at the grassroots level, ordinary people on the road, on the street, and ordinary Muslims uh, and ordinary Hindus and ordinary Christians on the road have to meet to interact interact and then leave it to people to decide whether there is something to learn or something to copy or something to mimic on the other side, whether it's a value or whether it is behavior or whatever. Um, Anything else I feel sounds challenging, sounds uh, threatening, sounds almost, as you rightly say, um, aggressive, uh, wanting, to, wanting to tell you that my religion is better than yours, so mm. you better listen to me. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with you, yes.
Yes, thanks for that. Uh, I agree that I used the wrong word, but anyway, thanks for Anyway, are there brothers, sisters, anybody else? Uh, Sheikh, one question regarding the Shafa. Uh, now, you, you did mention that it may take uh, years and years uh, for somebody in the hell to get Shafa. So, is this Shafa a kind of a continuous from the beginning, like uh, before the poor people are put in either hell or heaven? It starts from there, or it's a kind, kind of a continuous uh, process uh, forever and ever. Yes, it, it starts from the judgment day and before people are sent to hell, it starts from there. And many people are saved from, from going to hell due to Shafa'a. But uh, again, it's, uh, it depends on the faith. It wouldn't go forever because eventually, of course, because the number of people are limited, no, no matter how huge it is, and eventually it will end and people will come out of hell, those who are uh, capable to come out. Uh, you know, it, it's like uh, uh, if you want to pour water into a container. Now, that container, may you may have a very huge hose by which you just pour the water in, and the container has a large uh, opening, and you can pour the water very easily, and the water fills it quickly. Now, if the hole or that opening of the container is so small that water cannot go but by drops dripping down, it takes long for the container to be filled. And as I said, we have to have to be filled with mercy of Allah before we can go to paradise. And therefore, if the container does not allow but small drops of that mercy, for example, every minute or every hour, one drop would come in because the hole is so small, it takes much, much longer for the person to receive enough rahmah to enter paradise. And on the contrary, a person who has a very uh, receptive sort of soul, and that mercy could be poured in it quickly, they would receive the shafa very quickly. Yes, thanks. But uh, when I use the word continuous, uh, what I had uh, back of my mind is that, uh, as I understand that, I even in uh, heaven, we will be progressing from stages to stages. So... Uh, Along yes. that, uh, yeah, would there be Shafa required yeah. for that's that? That's true. Or? Yeah, yeah, that's true, yes. Okay, yes. thanks, Mahesh. Uh, Manjur, yes, you can. Uh, you know, <coughs> sorry, uh, the question of nafs, uh, you know, we make this uh, mention that zalam to nafsi, is this uh, drawing our attention to that uh, loss in the end that, and to keep us uh, in constant remembrance that by doing this action, we may be losing out this. Is it related? Yes, absolutely. To yes, yes, that's right. We do dull. we do wrong to our own souls, our own selves. Yes. So this is a continuous reminder for the loss in the akhirah. In the akhirah, yes. Yes, sister. Yes. Assalamualaikum. Um, am I right in understanding that at the end of the day, it's your action and your kind of reception, receptiveness to God that will determine whether you receive the shifa and if that's the case then is the shifa just an accelerating kind of process in the end your own acts will determine whether you kind of move from he hell to heaven um, and so what's the point of the shifa is it just an acceleration of that process or does it serve something else it's not only accelerating process it, it, it is a mediation by which you receive the mercy of God because some souls are not capable to receive the mercy of God directly. It's just like this world. Some souls are not capable to receive guidance directly. So they are guided by other people, isn't it? The prophet's guide. This is the, uh, the, the, the very clear example of how Shafa, is, how Shafa works. You see, for example, we cannot receive guidance from God unless through prophets. Because our souls are not capable of that. However, this can be somehow brought down to more grassroots level as well. If I recite the Quran, I do not understand it. I, I cannot benefit from it. But if I hear it from a pious person, 
a righteous person whose soul would actually influence my heart, then I receive it. So this is a kind of shafa in guidance. The, shafa, the guidance comes to your heart through that person, although it's taken from the Quran, but comes through that person. The same thing is on the day of judgment. First of all, without prophets, we cannot receive directly that mercy of God, which would qualify us to go to paradise. So it's this shafa of the prophets which come in. And then some souls need mediation to receive that mercy. And that mediation comes through other souls. And this is why it talks about shofa'a, intercessors to, to intercede. And therefore, it is, although it's an accelerating process, but it's not merely that. The mediation is needed for the person to go to paradise. Just following on from that, um, do you have to ask for this mediation or can it happen without you asking for it? No, you don't ask for it. If you are not qualified, these people ask for shafa, they are not granted. So it's, it's an automatic process. It will take you. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Any sisters? Yes. Uh, can you take the mic? Yeah. Continuing on from that, um, don't shafa and kind of good deeds work hand in hand? Because surely if you're not a good person and you don't have those good deeds, you're not capable of getting shafa. So doesn't it kind of work like hand in hand so that only someone that's been good is going to be getting shafa? Yes, shafa is actually complementing our acts. Yeah. The shortcomings that we have, it would complement. So in a sense it goes hand in hand, but... Uh, in other sense, if your action is complete in the sense that you are qualified already without shafa'a, then you don't need that shafa'a. Although at higher levels you need it, but uh, to be qualified for paradise, you don't need it. And you do shafa'a yourself, actually, for others. So people on the Day of Judgment are of two groups, those people who intercede and those people who are interceded for. And as I said, those people who intercede are not limited to prophets or OCR, the, the, the Ayyem al There are others who intercede as well. So people are divided into two groups, one whose actions are complete and they do intercede for others, the others who have shortcoming in their actions, but they still have some actions which qualify them to receive that shafa. Thank you. Any other last one, sisters, brothers? No? Thank you. Thank you, Muhammad Wali, Muhammad Salwan. Thank you.